Good morning. Today we're in the last chapter of the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, which means the teacher, a book believed to have been written by Solomon, the ancient king of Israel, whose wealth and power was unmatched in his day. And we've been working our way through Ecclesiastes. Uh, We've been discovering why this part of the Bible is often kind of overlooked and, and ignored by Christians, because it's not an easy book to read. It's seen as being too gloomy, too pessimistic, too disturbing, and it doesn't really match up with the positive spirituality that's popular in American churches today. It challenges kind of the modern conventional wisdom that God is supposed to make us happy. That's his job. Whatever makes me happy, that's what God is supposed to do. Make me happy, healthy, wealthy, and successful. And Ecclesiastes tells the truth even if the truth is uncomfortable. So he's often dismissed as a a curmudgeon or a sourpuss. But what he is, is he's a spiritual poet of emotional intensity, who as an elderly man asks hard questions and seeks to impart his wisdom about life to those who will follow after him, to those who are willing to hear. Because he's made grievous mistakes in his life and he's hoping others will learn from the misery that he has brought upon himself. It's taken him a long time to get things right with God. He's in the last lap of his life and he has great remorse over the sins and the poor decisions that have scarred his life. And he wants to save others from the the pain he's experienced by helping them get on the right track with God earlier in life. Solomon's an old man. He sees the end coming. Every sunrise and sunset means he is one day closer to the inevitable. At long last, he's come to realize the importance of walking with his creator. So here in chapter 12, he's looking back over his life and he's giving his last bit of advice, like a grandfather passing on wisdom to a grandchild. Cynicism and sarcasm, they're gone in this chapter. He, he just wants us to find our way out of the, the tragedies, the troubles, the difficulties of life before it's too late that we would find the secret of living, which is simply this, that our lives must be wrapped around the God who created us. It's as simple as that. That's the key. So with vivid, poetic, beautiful language, Solomon describes the aging process and our need to know God. Let me read chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. When the grinders cease because they are few. When those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. When people rise up at the sound of birds, but their own songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights or of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground from which it came, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Vapor and mist, says the teacher, 
everything is vapor and mist. Let's pray. Lord, give us your wisdom again as we look into this difficult passage, this complicated passage, but also deeply meaningful passage, Lord. And give us ears that are willing to hear what you would say to us in Christ's name. Amen. We're not a culture that reads much poetry. We're not trained to really think poetically. About the best we do are the simple phrases in pop songs that barely reach the level of rhyme or rhythm of a, of a grade school poetry contest. Just pick any popular song off the radio and read the lyrics without the music and you'll see exactly what I mean. Besides the vulgar and sexually demeaning stuff, it's basically just, you know, baby, 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 and that's about it. So it's no wonder people struggle when they hit a patch of the Bible that's poetic, that creates verbal images to try and get the reader to feel, to really sense what is being said rather than just to say it overtly or bluntly. We're not alone in that. Christians from the first century struggled with understanding this particular passage. And in all the ancient commentaries, all the way through the most modern writing upon Ecclesiastes, uh, they all try to connect his beautiful imagery to some literal aspect of aging. I'll do that in just a second. But I don't want you that to distract you from, from the beauty and the overall sense of the poetry and the theme to remember God. However old or young you are, from now on, live your life fully with God at the center. Wherever you are, from this point forward, put God at the center. In verse 1, Solomon has the same problem faced by all parents. How do you get a young person to listen? It's almost impossible to get younger people to actually listen to this kind of a message because so often they feel invincible that they've got it covered, that, that they're smarter than their elders, that whatever bad things you're talking about, that's never going to happen to them. And Solomon knows that this is simply not true. Life is filled with consequences and inevitabilities. And one of these inevitable things is that you will grow old and one day you will die. And he calls these the days of trouble. And here the trouble he's talking about is not from the consequences of sin, but just the unpleasant reality of our physical aging. The older we get, the more our bodies will experience physical deterioration. And it can get to the point where a person's spirit gets crushed by that. Part of aging is physical, but part of it is mental too. And like Solomon, when people look back on their lives there, they often experience a wide range of emotions. Some feel guilt, like, you know, I fouled up my life, I blew it, I, I hurt the people I cared about. If I could do it over, I would do it so differently. But they can't. They can't undo the past, and so sometimes people are crippled by guilt. Some older people feel useless. They ask, you know, who needs me anymore? They feel their opinions don't matter, their life's work, what they've invested their whole career in, it's somehow been forgotten. They feel ignored, they feel that they're just in the way. And some feel real bitterness and resentment. They think in life that they just got a raw deal. They married the wrong person or they didn't get the breaks that other people got and so life was hard for them. And they get wrapped up in self-pity. Others live with a lot of fear, fear over their finances, over their health, over their death. Maybe they're confused by all the technology and all the change. It just feels overwhelming. And all these things contribute to these days 
of trouble that Solomon's talking about. No wonder depression is a major problem among the elderly. And so in verse 2, Solomon writes of the sun setting and the sky darkening. And most commentators say this refers to kind of the, the fading of our mental powers of the individual as we grow older. I've read that there are three things that indicate the onset of old age. Memory loss, and I can't remember the other two. As people age, it's common for our powers of reasoning and perception to decline. We now have words in our vocabulary that Solomon didn't have, words like dementia and Alzheimer's. And this is a very hard thing, hard to experience, hard to watch happen in our aging parents or grandparents to see their mental capabilities fade like a setting sun. Verse 3, Solomon speaks of the keepers of the house that tremble, strong men that stoop, the, the grinders cease, the windows grow dim. He's, he's speaking of how aging now begins to affect our, our, the pillars of the body, the arms and the hands and the legs. Things that were once strong are now unsteady. Our bones weaken. People can be physically bent over with age. The, the grinders, that's seen as a person's teeth, and older people often have serious dental problems and often lose teeth. The dim windows are your eyes because vision fades as we age. It's, hard, it's a hard thing for me to admit that I had to get graduated trifocals because I just couldn't read things close to myself anymore. The optometrist said that I had presbyopia. I thought that meant at first that I'd been seeing too many Presbyterians, but what it means is elder eyes. With cataracts and other vision problems, no wonder people need a 90-inch TV screen just to watch the Wheel of Fortune. In verse 4, he talks about people that rise up at the sound of birds. Well, what time do birds start singing? Way too early. How many people struggle with sleep problems as they get older? And one of the worst ironies for retired people is now that you can sleep in, you can't sleep. You're wide awake. In verse 5, he talks about of fears, fears of, fears of falling you know, breaking a hip, afraid to take steps, afraid to climb a ladder. If you clean your own gutters, there will come a time when you think twice about going up that ladder. Someday you'll say, you know, no thanks, it's not really worth the risk anymore because your bones are more brittle and a fall when you're older can be devastating. Five-year-old kid doesn't need to worry much about falling because his or her bones are a lot more pliable, but older people they get scared. They get scared they'll get knocked over by the neighbor's dog or the grandkids running around the house. It's like they feel like they're made out of balsa wood and they'll break so easily. The almond blossoms is a reference to graying or white hair. The first time you look in the mirror and you see a gray hair, who doesn't pluck it out? Eventually, if you keep your hair, you're going to turn into a white dome chia pet. It's inevitable. And there's not enough hair coloring in the world to stop it from happening. This image of the grasshopper that drags itself along is probably the most pitiful thing. It's like a once great athlete whose joints get twisted with arthritis. And as we age, our joints, our muscles stiffen. For how many people, it hurts to get out of bed in the morning. You don't move like you used to. You have difficulty walking. With all the TV commercials for Cialis and Viagra, we understand what Solomon meant by how sexual desire fades. Now people 
now age differently than in Solomon's day. Through science and technology, we can postpone some of the effects of aging. And we should. There are great medications for the mind and for the heart. There's orthopedic surgeries, hip replacements. You can get glasses and dental care, hearing aids, Ambien, hair transplants, Grecian formula. This is a true story. At the gym where I work out, I actually overheard a conversation uh, where a woman was telling her friend that she secretly puts Grecian formula in her husband's shampoo in order to deal with his gray hair. That's a true story. And yet with all these helps that we have today, Solomon, that Solomon didn't have, the inevitable is still coming. With brutal honesty, Solomon wants people to visualize their own funeral with mourners on their way to the cemetery. Remember God, he says again in verse 6 and 7. Death will come, but he has one hopeful word. The grave is not the end. If he stopped at the end of verse 5, this would be a totally grim picture. But he reminds us that we are more than just a broken down body, even an old man like him. That we have a soul, a spirit that's eternal, and our spirit will return to the God who made it. And not even the aging process can cancel out God's plan to remake a new you. You were created for eternity. And when you die, you will stand before your creator. The body is dust, but the soul lives on forever. And we hear the promise of Jesus who said in John 14, Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you. That I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come to take you back with me that you may be also where I am. So what does it mean to remember God? That's actually the key point, whether you're young or you're old, to remember your creator so that you can really enjoy the life that you do have. And to remember is more than just a mental process. It's not just like, you know, hey, remember to pick up milk at the grocery store on your way home. To remember is really to surrender, to recall God's presence daily, to live in a relationship with him, to seek to discover God's greatness and and the glories of God in your everyday life. Pastor Mark Driscoll writes that to remember God means first and foremost that he is our creator, this God who made all things, who said that creation was good, and when he made us in his image and likeness, he declared that we were very good. God spoke creation into existence as something beautiful and glorious and good, and he then made man and woman and shaped them with his own hands with loving affection. He gave creation to us to be enjoyed. The creator God gave us eyes to see color and ears to hear sound, hands to embrace and hands to create. He gave us breath and life to enjoy the creation that he has given to us. He is our creator, and what Solomon is saying is that our universal problem is that people are likely to forget that, to forget God. They get so busy in the midst of this creation that they forget the one who made it all. The irony of Solomon's life is that he forgot his creator in the days of his youth. It started off well, but then it very subtly, very subtly, he loved the Lord, he walked with the Lord. God told him he could have anything he wanted and he requested wisdom. 
God was pleased by that, gave him wisdom and power and wealth, but very subtly, his heart went off track. Before you know it, he's got a thousand wives when God told him God's way for marriage is one man and one woman. Before you know it, he's allowing the worship of false gods throughout Israel. Many of the women that he married worshiped the pagan god Baal. And they went as so far as to perform child sacrifice to Baal in Israel. Something that God said was, was detestable and an absolute abomination. How is it possible that a man who ends up writing a few books of the Bible and was supposed to be the wisest man ever next to Jesus who was end up condoning the murder of children? All gods are not the same. All religions don't lead to the same place, and Solomon had a lot to regret. Folks, no matter what your age, remembering God, delighting in him, enjoying him, and living your life to pursue the passions he gives, if you do that, you will stand in sort of a countercultural antithesis to the day in which we live. Young men, the message of our culture often to you is, you know, you're young, get drunk, use women, do whatever feels good because you're only young once. Don't think about your future. And the Bible says if you live that way, you're a fool. You're a fool. Young women, the same thing goes for you. Solomon says, wise up. Wise up and say, no, I'd rather remember my creator while I'm young. I will enjoy the God who created me, who knows me through and through, who knows how to squeeze the most joy out of life. I will passionately pursue the desires that he has placed in my heart so that I can enjoy all the days of my life without regret. This is so important because most people who come to faith in Christ come to him while they're young, particularly under the age of 30. And it's best if people come to Christ before they even go our college age, while a young person is still kind of forming their basic identity. It just gets harder as people get older. We become set in our ways. We get distracted. We get damaged. Temptations take hold. Patterns set in, and those patterns are hard to break. Pressures actually become greater as you get older. And so seek God while you're still open-hearted and and not all closed up. Learn the one essential truth of the entire book of Ecclesiastes, that the only one who can truly satisfy the human heart is the one who made it. The beauty of God is this. Some of you today may feel very, very far from God. And that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God. And there is great distance between us and God. But here's the good news. Not only did your creator make you, but your creator can also remake you. Everyone in this room is very far from God because of sin. But also everyone in this room is equally close to God because Christ is the one who closes the gap. The gap between you and God. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of the gospel. God loves you, and he has been pursuing you. And he is right on your heels as soon as you turn around, which is what the Bible calls repentance. As soon as you turn around, you find God is right there. He's not that far away at all. God says, enjoy your life with me at the center. Enjoy your days with me. Enjoy the opportunities and the desires in everyday life that I will give you. That's really the message of Ecclesiastes, that God will change the desires of your heart 
as you delight in him, as you enjoy him, as you walk closely with your Savior, Jesus Christ. As you do that, God changes what you desire. Oftentimes, the reason that people lack joy is because they've been pursuing the wrong things. They've been going after the wrong desires because they've been trying to pursue things that don't really lead to satisfaction. Ultimately, you become what you worship, and and that's what it means to pursue something. God fashioned you to pursue him and to be his. Someday, your your body is just going to be mulch for feeding plants. Worm food, the Bible calls it. Your body goes into the grave and your spirit returns to God who gave it to you. Your soul departs your physical body. This life is just the prelude to the symphony. This is just the appetizer to the main banquet. And one day you will stand before the living God of the universe and there you receive your eternal judgment. And that's when you want Jesus at your side. And if you want him then, you need to have him now at your side. Pursue life within, through, and for God right now so that at the end, you're not some decrepit, falling apart, burned out sex addict like Solomon was. Having to write your biography and tell your grandkids and great-grandkids, please, please, please don't walk in my steps. I was an idiot. I was a fool. Please use your days more wisely than me because the days are few and time moves so fast. Solomon did not fully understand all the mysteries of God. Some versions of the Bible translate verse 8 as meaningless or purposeless or vanity or, or useless. It's the Hebrew word hebel, and it's used some 38 times throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. But often when that word is used in other parts of the Bible, particularly the Psalms, it's translated as, as vapor or breath or mist. And I think that here, in the context of chapter 12, it's the poet Solomon who is speaking. And he's not saying that life is without meaning. What he's saying is that life moves very quickly. Life is like a morning mist and then it's gone. Life is like your breath on a, on a cold day. You see it and then it disappears. Life has moved far faster than Solomon ever could have anticipated. And so what he says, he says with, with really a sense of great urgency. Remember God. Enjoy your life with God. And as you do, you will find that he will bring into your life good passions, good desires, good dreams, good people, the right challenges, meaning, and an excitement to share that love with others. Remember God. Amen. Let's pray. Living God, my creator Jesus, I commit myself to you. You created me so you know what is best for me. I understand that now. And I'm willing to surrender my life to your plan. To replace my desires with your desires. To seek you, pursue you, love you. Because you love me first. I thank you through my Savior Jesus. Amen.